Well, hello, White Sox fans. How you guys doing tonight? My name is Ian Eskridge, and with me tonight is the Danny Miller. How you doing, Danny? I'm uh, doing pretty good. Uh, you know, spent the evening uh, cooking some uh, arrachetta for the family after uh, a bit of a long few days with some things going on here. But uh, yeah, set out on the veranda, the uh, the new uh, beautifully landscaped Burbank yard, and. Uh, Enjoyed watching some of this uh, home run derby, man. How you doing? Doing all right. Just got back from Iowa. Went to the Field of Dreams for a uh, baseball tournament for the boy earlier today. Good evening, gentlemen. How you guys doing in the chat? Um, you know, uh, it was not uh, exactly successful, you could say, but they did win a uh, they did win a bracket game, so that was nice. Uh, the seeding games they happened to draw two teams from South Dakota and St. Louis, and they were good. Uh, very solid. So that was kind of uh, that was kind of rough, but um, you know, uh, overall, I thought it went pretty well, and uh, we had a lot of fun. We went and uh, hung out at the Field of Dreams and uh, got to watch a little bit of the movie out on the on the field outside the house, and that was that was pretty cool. I uh, saw the stadium getting built in the background. We weren't allowed to go in it, of course, because it's still under construction for uh, this year's you know uh, Field of Dreams game, but. Uh, it was it was a lot of fun, and uh, we got back yesterday and um, got to watch the uh, White Sox just absolutely pummel the Twins, and that was awesome. And then we got to watch the draft. Me and uh, Coltoni had a good time watching the draft, and um, yeah, it was cool. Um, he was telling me who was going to get picked, and uh, he was actually right uh, more than I was. So. Um, Shout Very out nice. to Cole Tony, yeah. So, um, yeah. So, good weekend, and uh, go back to work tomorrow. Not super stoked about that, but uh, hey, you know, could be worse. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Uh, you know, you bring up uh, the uh, the White Sox uh, doing some damage against the Twins. Uh, why don't we just go ahead and uh, start out tonight's uh, chat with uh, you know the direction of late as the White Sox and uh, what they have shown against the Twins. And uh, I just want to uh, start by asking you, what's your thoughts after the White Sox have, uh, you know, won, let's say they split against the Guardians in a four-game set, and they won three out of four against Minnesota. And, you know, last week the question of the week was, was the – Lewis Robert Grand Slam game where Jose Abreu was uh, doing slides in the dugout. Was that the game, finally, that was going to turn the White Sox season around? Because we've talked about this in the past a little bit. Uh, There have been, you know, and we actually hit on this quite a bit uh, in the last couple of shows about how many times this season have there been some sort of event that you feel like was maybe the turning point. And every time we thought that was a possibility, it seemed that, you know, it didn't quite turn out that way. And I just want to get your thoughts on, you know, do you do you believe that this might be the turnaround after what we've seen the last week or week and a half or so? Well, I mean, as is mentioned in the chat, it was a good five days. Um, I mean, we've we've gone over this uh, last stream, you know, that whole, you know, they... (laughs) You start to get away, and then they start to pull you back in, you know. And uh, 
fool me once, fool me twice, fool me three times, fool me four times, I guess, shame on me. I mean, it's just over and over again with this, with this whole thing. And um, I will say that I am feeling way more positive than I have in months. Excuse me. Uh, but I don't know if I'm 100% ready to say that they're back, but I will say that uh, they have looked a lot better. So that is um, obviously a, a big positive. So, Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Uh, I'm kind of right there with you. Uh, I saw this question or, you know, a similar line of questioning on, uh, on the old tweet machine recently and my only response to that was uh i don't want to say you know that this was the turning point of this season because i feel like i've seen this movie before you're afraid you know apprehensive uh, yeah you know i am a bit apprehensive hey. it's nice to see the thanks for the resub hey. grimtall 12 months one year way to go pal appreciate hey, that way to keep us honest man way to keep us honest we'll be We're, here next uh, week i guess yeah absolutely <laughs> but yeah, you know, just going back to what we're talking about, I uh it's hard. It's hard to say that yes, this is the defining moment that turns the season around. Because so many times, like we said, have we felt like there was that moment, that possibility of this was it. That was the spark. This was the the spark to ignite the fire that was going to bring us to the promised land, or at least take us to the top of the very weak AL Central Division. And, you know, you want to believe it as a White Sox fan, but you've been disappointed so many times before. You know, it's like, do you want to know what it's like to be a White Sox fan in 2022? Go stand in the corner and have an eight-year-old kick you in the nuts for about 15 minutes straight because that's what it feels like. You know what I mean? Like, you know, it's it's just it's constant. Here we go. Everything's going to be great. Now we're going to get another injury. We're going to see another unique lineup. We're going to see, you know, lackluster defensive play. We're going to see a pitcher go out and fall flat on his face. It, you know, it, it's just one thing after another, and it's really difficult to uh, stay optimistic at this point. But having said that, just like you, I agree. It has been a little bit more fun to watch. There's at least that. I mean, that's at least the positive is that we don't want to put our head through a wall after watching a game for the last week. Um, you know, at least – the games were competitive to a point, uh, even when they lost. I mean, minus the first game of that Cleveland series, if I remember correctly. Um, but yeah, no, I agree. And uh, let's see, we got some questions here in the chat. Uh, well, and comments. Uh, if we don't get pitching, we aren't going anywhere. So, where where do you stand on that? Because Lance Lynn's been pretty awful, and uh, we know that he's got a knee issue. Um, do you think that the knee issue is going to be an ongoing thing or do you, th I mean, Kopech as well, he could, he could slot in right in the same, the same conversation here is that they both got knee issues and we've been told that, uh, Kopech's thing is going to be a, a year long thing and that he's just going to deal with it and they'll, you know. Yeah. Readdress it in the off yeah, season. Exactly. Is what so we keep hearing. 
I mean, what what do you think? Uh, do you think that uh, we need that? Should we be worried going for the rest of the season with Lynn and Kopech? Um, I'm gonna actually have to say yes, and the reason is is you know a lot of folks. I see it all over the socials talking about how these guys were rushed back from their injuries. Now, that may have been the case, but the problem is, is once they get into a rehab start under the new rules of the new CBA, there is only so much time they can spend on a rehab start. I believe I, if I read that correctly somewhere, I did hear, I did yep. see somebody say that Yeah, a on the socials back uh, from his rehab because he was out of time. So regardless of what we would have done, he had to come right. back from the rehab. So, so you can't keep a guy, you know, down. And, and I think the reason that rule is out there is to avoid uh, keeping players on, you know, keeping players on, on the 26 man, but avoid keeping them on the IL or the, you know whatever the DL for longer than they need to be in favor of somebody else, another player. It's kind of it's kind of there to keep you know to limit uh, roster manipulation. But unfortunately, what happens is when you get a guy who's truly injured, like we had in Lance Lynn and Eloy, once they start a rehab assignment, they've only got a, I believe it's like two weeks. You know, sir. I mean, it depends I on exactly what how the, long what the day count was on it, but yeah, it's not it's not a super long rehab. Yeah, so it's it kind of forced those guys to come up when they did, and unfortunately, I believe you know, especially with a guy like Lance Lynn who who went through a knee surgery on his plant knee, uh, and you know, myself have going had been going through that same uh, knee procedure. I went I had a scope to clean up my meniscus just before he did. And I can tell you, it takes a little bit of time for that pain to go away. And, you know, with all the, the rehab and, and all the, uh, you know, the working out and exercising to get the strength back, it has taken me quite a bit longer. And I'm still feeling the effects of that here months later. So I believe he's probably going to have some issues. Uh, Aloy, same thing. You know, you, you got a guy who has been injury prone for seasons and has needed a little bit of time to get himself going. And unfortunately he was, uh, you know, forced to come back because he ran out of time as well. Same thing. Michael Kopech. I believe all these guys are probably going to deal with some uh, aches and pains, you know, and on top of these rehab rules, uh, you know, we got to remember again, this is now another season where there was a shortened spring training and shortened camp. So, you know, the White Sox, as injury-prone as they've been, are going to have to battle through some of these things. And hopefully, you know, now maybe that's a little bit of time off during the break that some of these guys can, you know, kind of take the Band-Aids off a little bit, rest, you know, let things air out. And, uh, you know, maybe we'll get back to right. I don't know. Yeah, I'm pretty much there with you. I, I am concerned about it because Lance Lynn's, you know, he's had a couple couple innings every game where he's basically looked just completely ineffective and um you know it generally has been when he gets around like 85 pitches or so so that's um that's a positive thing is that it's later on in the game and it seems like he's wearing down so that could be just a lack of work thing where it's going to take him a little bit to uh you know a, a little while to to get to the point where he is back to a hundred percent. So that's a good thing. Um, 
and Kopech, same thing. You know, he has like one inning a game where it just seems like things aren't going well. I mean, the velocity is still not uh, still not a hundred percent, so that's something to be concerned about with the knee. Um, you know, but uh, again, you know, um, so Giolito's had some pretty decent outings as of late, and uh, you know, Cease has been absolutely dominant over the last 10 games i think he's got like an 043 era over the last 10 games or whatever it is something insane like that and he's you know ends the first half of the season leading the league in k's and um he's just looked great um you know still a little bit of higher pitch count for the most part uh still having a little bit of command issues here and there but uh you know i'm he's the least of our problems at this point uh, I did happen to see a uh, a tweet earlier this afternoon uh, by a guy named Greg Harvey, who's uh, you know he's part of the Between the Numbers uh, team, uh, and he tweeted out that Dylan Cease first half stats includes, and I'm reading this directly from his tweet: 150 plus strikeouts, 12 and a half strikeouts per nine, less than a 2.20 ERA. Less than a 200 batting average against, and he is the only pitcher since at least 1901 to have these stats in the first half of a season. The only pitcher since 1901 to have those stats. That's pretty stinking incredible, and it also makes his all-star snub that much more ridiculous. Yeah, I was going to just bring that up. Um, Yeah, the fact that he didn't even get named – to the all-star team and despite the fact that he did pitch on Sunday which I which I understand why they wouldn't want to bring him and he would just immediately say thanks for the you know for the offer and whatever yeah. um, but I'm going to you know take it off but the ridiculous numbers that the guys put up for this year the fact that he's not on the all-star team is fairly absurd i mean when uh Cole and uh what's the other guy from the uh, Yankees that I'm thinking of uh well, uh, Nestor uh, Cortez, those guys are you. both on the team, and he's got better numbers than both of them by far. Um, I don't know. Just when when selecting annoying. the All Star team, uh, he was in the top five in every single pitching category for a starting pitcher. In the top five, he led in like three or four of the, you know, seven or eight categories that they look at when choosing the all-star team, he was first or second in probably more than half of them. And, uh, you know, overall war, I think he was fourth in the American league and started pitching third or fourth in overall war for the season. So, you know, you can take those numbers that I threw out there and say, I'm cherry picking or, you know, the guy that put out this tweet was cherry picking or whatever. But honestly, I mean, like you said, the fact that he wasn't even it really wasn't even talked about much other than the people talking about him being snubbed. Yeah. You know, uh, it's a it's a really it's a damn shame. It is, uh, you know, but again, you know, the fact that he pitched on Sunday and we don't want him pitching at the all star game anyway. It's no, uh, we don't. it's fine. However, yeah, I agree. He should have at least been named. Um, yeah, it's you know it would be uh, cool if what's that? I'm sorry. It, okay. I was just gonna say it would be cool that you know if maybe there was some sort of like honorable mention thing for guys like this where they can go and kind of take in the experience. You know, okay, I'm not gonna play because you know I pitched on Sunday. The game's on Tuesday, uh, and you know, and obviously you don't want to hurt yourself for your spot in the rotation coming up after the break. 
Uh, but, you know, guys like that who deserve an opportunity, at least get an all-star honorable mention or something. Let them go enjoy the festivities and, you know, let them do an interview and have a camera in his face and go watch, you know, Albert Pujols hit bombs in the in the home run derby live and in, in person, you know, for his last time. You know, because obviously he's retiring at the end of the year and, you know, uh, he's a first, first ballot Hall of Famer, hands down. You know, let let these young guys who are who have never been named and all star, let them go see that. Let them go hang out. Let them be part of the hoopla. Let them enjoy that. You know, and maybe I'm just being biased because I'm a White Sox fan, and of course Dylan Cease is you know White Sox pitcher. But uh, you know, for this team that we've been watching this year, a little fun during their R and R might not be a bad thing for them as well. Yeah, agreed. Um, apparently, Albert's putting on a show. I, you know, I'm going to turn that on. I got a TV right here next to my head, and I don't even. Uh, we are in commercial anymore. break at the moment. All right, but I do have it on. There we go. We got some home run derby now. Um, yeah, so it's also brought up in the uh, in the chat that uh, apparently Bummer doesn't. Uh, none of the rules seem to apply to him. Nobody seems to know where the heck the guy is. Whether he's done any kind of rehab whatsoever, whether he's still injured, what the deal is with him. Um, well, that's the thing. He's not pitching, so it's not really counting against his rehab time. Yeah, no, that's fair enough. But, I mean, like, <laughs> where the heck is this guy? I mean, he's just like, uh, you know. I mean, yeah, he'll be back at know. some point. But, I mean, it's just it's kind of weird that he's just disappeared and nobody's, you know, pretty much talking about him at all. Um, yeah, I don't know. I mean, obviously, and Johnny Cueto has been phenomenal. I mean, what a, what a free agent sign and such a, a late free agent signing. And, uh, you know, he starts his, uh, season in mid May and he's got the most quality starts on the team, despite, uh, the fact that Dylan ceases on the team. Um, I think he's got one more quality start than Giolito, I think. And, uh, one more than cease as well. I believe that's what it is. Um, yeah, I mean, there's, you know, there's been some pitching woes, uh, some bullpen stuff, uh, but for the most part, like they've all pretty much been fairly decent the last couple of weeks. Um, there's been a couple of blowups here and there, but um, I have to agree with what's said in the chat is that pitching really hasn't been the problem this year. Um, you know, it's been a problem when the score is three to two. And the White Sox can't score more than three runs. Then pitching is 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 a problem. But you know, like we we've talked about before, you can't expect your pitching staff to limit a major league team to two or fewer runs every single day. And right. you know, I, it's that that whole thing's just aggravating. But I will say that the hitting has come on lately. And uh, you know, I mean, you get Moncada back, he's starting to swing the stick well, you know, of course, right before another break at the All-Star break. So now he's got a, a week off, you know, to uh, lose his timing. So that's awesome. And uh, right. Aloy's finally back, but then he's out again, and they deny that he's hurt, hurt, and that it's just a thing where he's got to, uh, you know, figure out, what he can do and what he can't do on his on his new hamstring, you know, his repaired hamstring, and that this is just how it's going to feel for a while, and it might feel a little abnormal, but it, you know, it's 
but he's completely healthy and we haven't seen him for a few days. So that's uh, something to keep an eye on as we come back from the all-star break. Uh, but I will say that it's nice that they gave him an extended period of time off that if it was at least pseudo sore, you know, and just from playing that it finally, you know, is having some like issues from the healing process and that stuff and playing a couple of games in a row, then now he's got some time off and I, that's, that's probably a good thing. Right. I agree. Uh, and you know, you bring up how the, uh, the, you know, the offenses seem to wake up some, you know, in that whole statement you just made. And, you know, I, I don't disagree with, you know, the, with your thoughts on, on Aloy and, you know, some of these guys getting some recovery time, uh, you know, again, with Yoan, you know, like you said, unfortunately, he's, I mean, his swings really have looked great. Even when he's not getting on base, he's hitting the ball on the screws left and right. And we see a lot of that with this team right now. You know, guys just bats seem to be waking up a little bit. But, uh, and I think this was mentioned in the chat a few minutes ago, a little bit back. You know, we're watching this the series against Cleveland and then, you know, followed up with a, a really good series against Minnesota. Unfortunately, both of those series were away. And the hitting on the road this year has been exponentially better than at home. And, you know, now after the after the break, we're going to come back home and we're going to have a set another set against the Indians here. To me, you know, I've been hearing this question asked on the radio, other podcasts, all over the socials, all over the place. The question is, has been, you know, what do you think the White Sox need to show from here on out after going out and, and winning a few games against division rivals here as of late? And I think that if my answer to that question is going to be, I need to see them hit the ball at home. I need to see those power numbers come up at home. You know, we're talking about U.S. Cellular. I'm sorry, the G rate. The great. Now. Yes. The great. Uh, you know, and it's one of the <laughs> the top hitter-friendliest parks in baseball. And unfortunately, it remains that way this season, except for everybody. For everybody it remains else. that way for everybody yeah. but the White Sox. The White Sox can't seem to hit there. Uh, I did some digging, and I was trying to look up wind patterns and all these things. And I think I sent you a text with some of that stuff in there. And yeah. really, honestly, after looking at that, there's absolutely no reason why the White Sox shouldn't be pounding the ball at home. And I don't know if there's just some kind of stigma around the team where they feel pressured to win in front of their home fans because of all the hype that's been around them the last couple of seasons, and especially this season. I don't really know. But the one thing I need to see is I need to see them hit at home for me to feel that that positive energy that I'm feeling the last week and a half or so, for it to really take hold with me, if I see them hit at home, then I'm going to feel like maybe this season is going to salvage itself. And, you know, they might come away with a, a division title. Yeah, uh, I agree. Uh, the fact that they haven't been hitting the ball well at home, especially playing in that park, and everybody else seems to not have a problem hitting home runs. They seem to hit... 90% of their balls to the warning track when they get into it, you know, which is just absolutely bizarre. I don't understand. It just doesn't make any sense to me why that is a thing. It kind of baffles the mind. Um, <laughs> but, it does. You know, um, but, you know, like we said, the offense has been 
a huge problem. And you can't expect the pitching to continue to carry them, even though the pitching hasn't been as good as, you know, nearly as good as it was last year in the first half. Um, you know, again, this season, the pitching has pretty much carried the team, even though it hasn't been nearly as good as it was last year. Granted, the bullpen started off really rocky last year, and this year, the you know, the bullpen's been a little bit better. Um, but, you know, it's... It's yeah, it's been well, rough. That's the thing, though. I think the people that are are whining about the pitching and the people that think you know, and I see it all over the place too. A lot there's a lot of people out there that think pitching is our number one concern. And you know, again, I'm going to agree with you saying that it's been overall you know solid enough to uh, you know probably garner more wins than this team has because the you know the offense has failed, but. I think the reason that these people are kind of whining about the pitching a little bit is because, you know, we're getting guys that are going for five innings of starters. You know, like you mentioned earlier, Johnny Cueto has got six, I think six or seven of nine, nine or ten starts that are quality starts. Eight. Whatever. Yeah, maybe what nine of 11. Yeah. Nine out of 11, something like that. Uh you know, and I think the reason that people are kind of crying about that is because, you know, the other guys aren't doing that. But this is something that you and I talked about early in the season. We kind of expected this because we knew that, you know, coming off of the last couple of years, we had some guys coming off of injuries. We had the shortened spring training, uh, you know, due to the lockout. And we kind of expected guys to not get as deep into games. And we really talked about, you know, depending on the bullpen a little bit, which is awesome because the bullpen has kind of stepped up and done its thing. Um, you know, there's a lot of people that made a case for, you know, the offseason moves. Uh, Han going out and getting uh, a couple of relievers and, you know, the Vince Velasquez types and guys that could maybe make a few spot starts, the spot starts and, uh, you know, move into the bullpen, move in and out of the bullpen. You know, those were all kind of things that factor into those moves, I think. But the reality is, is this is not like it was unexpected. You know, we knew guys weren't going to get as deep into games this year because of, you know, the things that I, I bring up. And you and I talked about that uh, a bit early on. So, uh, yeah, I would like to see the offense do more. I think the pitching is done pretty much what it was expected to do, aside from, you know, maybe some clunkers from Lance Lynn that you hope didn't happen. But, again, you know, we talk about it. He's coming back from that knee injury and surgery. Uh, Michael Kopech, you know, battling some uh, issues, uh, knee as well. Uh, You know, it is what it is. Uh, We just need to see more from the offense. And hopefully they can sustain what they've been doing here the last couple of weeks and they can do it at home. Yeah, I mean, you would hope. I mean, it's, it's been pretty rough for the for the pitching for for this year i mean or for for the offense <laughs> trying to uh the the pitching trying to carry the offense rather uh it's just been it's, i mean obviously it's not what you want to see and it's it's now that we're finally starting to get some offense i'm hoping that the uh that the pitching can finally take a little bit of a rest a little bit you know not not have to go super deep and you know i mean it's also been mentioned in the chat that there's there's an issue with the fact that we do happen to use a fair amount of pitchers every game and i mean i won't say it's to the extreme of uh ricky renteria 
um, pre uh, three batter minimum rule, um, but it's it's pretty it's pretty nasty, you know. Um, I don't know. Uh, how you feeling about the uh, about that that aspect of it? Um. Well. I, you know, again, hard to disagree with anything you bring up. You know, I kind of chuckle a little bit as you're talking about this because it's something that we've been talking about all year. You know, you can talk about the questionable moves that Tony makes. You can talk about, I, you know, it's it's just difficult to watch sometimes when things are not happening the way you think they should. And I'll leave it at that because I really don't have a lot of good to say about that. I don't want to turn this into a no, absolutely. Uh, not. We're not going a there. Cry this time. fest. Yeah, no, no. You know, we're 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 moving in a positive direction here as of late, and I don't want to go down that road. So I'll just, I'll, you know what? I'm just going to say what I said and leave it at that. Fair enough. Fair. I was going to say, just give me a fair enough and let's move on. I don't want, you know, it's easy to get me started, man. Don't get me started. <laughs> get you revved up. Um, hey, what's up, Donuts? How you doing? Uh, Mark Mr. Orr, Mark. White Sox Daily. Um, watching the Derby? Yeah. I just turned it on. I, had, I hadn't been paying attention to it at all because I was dealing with some, uh, I was looking at some draft stuff beforehand. Uh, which we will get to in a little bit. Um, really, personally, I'm really stoked about the draft the White Sox have had. Um, you know, there me is, too. I yeah, fantastic I, stuff for the for the 26th pick, or uh, was it 26th pick? 20 yeah, yeah. 26th pick. 26th. Yeah, I for for being there. Um, the fact that. They picked 26th, and I still feel like the talent that they got was top tier for a lot of a lot of the players. And I, I saw something earlier today that uh, the top five picks that the White Sox made were all in the top 250 or 200 of uh, MLB's um, draft coverage. And, uh, I mean, that... Pretty phenomenal, um, but we'll, we'll get to that. Uh, the geniuses at Sox Talk hated the pick, so that that's means what the Sox at. nailed it. Yeah, that's it. Not far off. I mean, um, I, obviously the the draft strategy has has uh, changed in the last few years with uh, Mike Shirley taking over, and um, but we'll again we'll get to that in a little bit. Let's uh, continue on with yeah. the uh, the actual big league club before we start getting to the uh, the draft guys, but. Um, yeah. Uh, so let's see. We're talking about uh, in the chat. We've got arguments going about uh, pitching and how it's oh, not been in. not been the issue. And uh, yeah, I mean, I I would definitely say that the offense has been the issue so far this year. Is that you know the pitching hasn't been you know nearly as locked down as it was last year. Um, and like you said. Um, you know, there's the the Tony Larusa angle that we're not going to get into. Um, but speaking, I, just, I don't want to do it. I'm sorry. <laughs> but now that I say that we're not going to get into it, um, you know, it comes out that uh, KW was the guy. Kenny Williams is the guy that goes down to the dugout and we or to the to the locker room, and um, no doubt did the uh, 
you know, Billy Bean slash Brad Pitt thing from Moneyball and goes down there and turns over some tables and says... It's losing fun? Yeah, it's losing fun. And, um, you know, there's, you know, KW has been the... um, the guy who has been one of those fiery type leaders uh, when it comes to this kind of thing. And um, there's been all sorts of, you know, talk about it on different podcasts and, you know, social media, of course, that, uh, you know, that KW is the, the driving force behind that stuff. And I, you know, that TLR didn't do, you know, didn't do any of that stuff. And that's entirely possible. Um, and is that, is that what has caused the recent, uh, turnaround? Who knows? I mean, that's, that's going to be, you know, uh, us assuming things and, you know, all sorts of hearsay and whatever. I, I don't know, obviously what was said other than that, uh, you know, that there was some, talk about lack of leadership blah 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 um you know nightingale says that it was a former player and uh liam Hendricks says that it was dallas keichel um i are you i if you're if you're bob nightingale and you're gonna write a piece about the white Sox locker room dysfunction are you really going to go talk to a guy like Dallas Keuchel to get this kind of information, knowing that he was DFA'd on an $18 million a year salary, obviously was not happy about being let go, and still thinks that he's you know, a quality starter in Major League Baseball, despite the fact that now he's on the Diamondbacks and is giving up eight runs against the Giants and you know, one home run to uh, your mean Mercedes and a double to your mean. And I mean, are is that the guy that you're going to go to, to, to get dirt on the white Sox? And is that the guy? I don't know. Um, it seems more likely. I'm going to go with no. Yeah. I'd say it's more likely that it's a, uh, in-house, uh, chat with somebody from the front office, whether it be Kenny or whether it be Rick or it be even one of the players that's kind of trying to do things semi-anonymously and uh, try and spark these guys. And I don't know if that's what what did it, but... I mean, the, the original statement that Bob Nightingale put out was that he was hearing these whispers from other players on other teams. It wasn't coming directly from the White Sox clubhouse. He was hearing these things being spread kind of across the league. Uh, and, you know, when that thing kind of happens and it's being talked about more than just at home, you know, you got guys in, you know, say the Cleveland clubhouse and guys, who knows, Seattle or wherever, that you know, Bob Nightingale is getting this information from, but he's hearing it from other players on other teams. That seems like a systemic problem because if your players, if meaning the White Sox players are out there talking to this kind of stuff about, you know, talking to other guys on other teams about this stuff, you know, because I'm sure, you know, having played some baseball, when you get to talking with these guys, these guys are coming up to, you know, the Jose Abreus, the Tim Andersons. The, you know, the leaders of this team, maybe even the Yasmani Grandals, and they're saying, hey, man, you know, you guys were supposed to be, you know, it this year. You were supposed to be the it team. What the hell's going on over there? You know, 
And, uh, you know, maybe Osmani's having a conversation with, you know, Jose Ramirez or, or, you know, pick a, pick anybody, you know, that these guys might be talking to another team. And these guys are asking these questions and Osmani's going, well, you know, team's not gelling. You know, we got four different groups in the locker room that kind of keep to themselves. You know, these four guys hang out, these six guys hang out, these five guys hang out and then, and, you know, nobody's really gelling. And, uh, you know, these guys over here don't like Tony LaRussa, and these guys over here love Tony LaRussa, and those guys are not happy with, you know, contract situations in the front office. And whatever it is that they're talking about, that dissension is spreading across, you know, the leagues amongst players. And I don't buy that, you know, Liam Hendricks is out there saying, well, it was Dallas Keuchel spreading that. Because Bob Nightingale said it was coming from players, multiple, and they were those players were on other teams, not the White Sox. Yeah, I mean, it says in the chat, so, it says if I'm Bob Nightingale, yes, I talked to Dallas. Well, my my whole thing is is that if you're doing that, if you're going to talk to Dallas Keuchel, it's because somebody has given you the okay to throw the team under the bus. And if you want negative stuff, that's the guy who you're going to talk to. And yes, I, that that part I understand, but. I think that the fact that that article even exists with, you know, judging by Bob Nightingale's history with the White Sox, that if that's happening, it's because somebody said, hey, you know, this happened with Kenny Williams going down to the locker room and yelling at people. Um yeah, you're saying that Bob is not a good reporter. Well, I will say that he's definitely not a good tweet. He's not good at tweeting. That's that's that is 100%. Um, oh, Juan Juan Soto trying to cement that $500 million plus uh contract here with the uh home run derby against uh Julio Rodriguez. That's uh that's some impressive stuff from Julio Rodriguez. I mean, I knew he was going to be really good, but uh his first round was awesome to watch. Yeah, 30 home runs. I mean, insane. 32. He was uh he was chasing Pete Alonso's record at 35 from last year and it didn't look like he was going to stop, and then he took himself a little break and stumbled a little bit, but uh either way, it was a lot of fun to watch and he hit some monster yeah. shots. What's up, Xavier? How you doing? Good evening, sir. Good evening. And uh, Rudel, I would like to say that Rudel's predicted that uh, Pete Alonzo was going to win again. So, um, womp womp. Yep. No, 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 Pete Alonzo. Um, Rudel's. I don't know. Every time I hear that, I think of uh, <laughs> I think of Ferris Bueller's Day Off. And hey! <laughs> um, yeah. I you know I like I said Bob Nightingale. Not the best reporter in the world, but he does have a relationship with the White Sox, and I think that if he's going to put something out like that that's going to throw TLR kind of under the bus a little bit, that he's been given the go-ahead by somebody higher up in the organization, in the organization. that's going yeah. to not you know, completely cut him off if uh, you said Juan Soto, you, you said Big you said big Meat Pete. Get out of here. Um, so... Uh, yeah, but I, I just I don't see him putting himself out there if he doesn't have some sort of communication with the front office that says, yes, you can write this piece and go ahead and go talk to Dallas. That's fine. Dallas doesn't care for, you know, TLR doesn't care for, 
you know, the organization at all. If you want to, if you want to get some uh, some nasty stuff to put in your article, that's going to be your guy that's going to give you stuff. And I, you know, fine. Yeah, Dallas and, doesn't and, like know, this team because nobody here likes them either. So, right, right. And you know, the other thing too is, is uh, you know, a lot of that, a lot of that hoopla that came about those articles and those tweets was that uh, you know it was leaked by someone in the organization to uh you know kind of take some of the pressure off of tony and point it at the players with the whole clicks and things of that nature you know to be honest with you though i don't buy that either because when you talk about these things i feel like that falls on tony's shoulders as well he is the guy that's leading your team he is the guy that's supposed to keep the clubhouse together and if you want to put this thing on the players uh you better find a better way to do it so yeah, I, I don't know if it was leaked from the organization. Uh, you know, I will say that I can't disagree with you on the fact that you know it, it always seemed like Bob Nightingale's got a direct line to uh, Jr's office. You know, that's always been the joke. But you know, either way, for any of this stuff to come out, you know, and for it to come out multiple times, you know, in an interview on the on the radio, in tweets in a couple of different articles and then those articles were uh you know quoted and rehashed by just about everybody else in the world that writes anything you know bloggers and other serious writers uh you know usually where there's smoke there's fire and unfortunately i would say that there's got to be at least some truth to what's being put out there about dissension in the clubhouse and in the front office and again i believe it's a, it's a cultural thing it's a, it's an organizational thing and it starts well above what we're seeing on the field and i don't know if kenny williams going down there and smashing boom boxes and you know screaming at guys is this fun is losing fun you know and when it when it gets quiet in the in the clubhouse this is what losing sounds like this is what losing feels like you know what i mean like yeah. i don't know if that's what turned it around but obviously there has been a different energy in the clubhouse now we can point to winning it, it, at looking at the you know the fun that these guys are having you know steve stone's been saying it all year winning cures all you know and, and these guys do look much happier when they are winning yeah so I, you know i don't know where the truth lies probably somewhere in the middle you know you can take a little bit of the good and a little bit of bad and sandwich it together and somewhere in the middle is where the truth lies but uh you know again that just means it's really not quarter, uh you know butterflies and, and rainbows there's uh there's issues hopefully those issues are behind us or behind them i should say but i say us because you know we we as fans take on all that emotion as well you know what i mean we 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 put a lot of time and effort into watching this team and hoping that we are are you not entertained are you not entertained uh, to be honest with you it's been really hard to uh entertain me with the way this team has played so far yeah, so no for sure uh you know i uh God, I really hope the second half is better because the frustration is real, not just for the players, but for all of us that uh, spend, you know, six nights a week watching this team. Yeah, for sure. Um, said in the chat, why would JR leak it, though? It's his hill to die on, and I doubt he cares. I'm not saying that JR is going, that JRA is necessarily, you know, I don't think he's the one who talked to Bob Nightingale. Um, I would say no, I that either. he, uh, <laughs> there, I would agree that there's no way that he's going to fire 
TLR regardless. Um, but I think that he would give it the go ahead to try and shift some of the momentum in the in the clubhouse. And uh, I, I, you know, as also mentioned in the chat, why does Bob need permission to talk to Dallas? I'm not saying that he needs permission to talk to Dallas, but if he doesn't want to get cut off and doesn't want to piss yeah, off the front office, yeah, if he wants to keep this relationship, he knows better than to go talk to Dallas and throw the team under the bus, you know, before publishing this article is that he could say, Hey, you know, so I talked to Dallas and he gave me this information and KW had, you know, already gone and done all this stuff that, yeah, that it, you know, it comes out in the media after that, that, you know, there was a closed clubhouse meeting and that there was, you know, KW throwing stuff all over the place. And that was, you know, I, you know, I'm not saying that, uh, you know, I'm not going to sit here and wear a tinfoil hat and say that it's some sort of conspiracy, 100% uh, that that's that this is what happened. But, I mean, I don't know, man. I, I don't think that Bob Nightingale's throwing this franchise under the bus with, you know, the rapport that he has with the front office with the team. And being the one who is the mouthpiece for the team, <clears throat> it seems highly unlikely that he's going to go and throw the, you know, JR's buddy under the bus without some sort of an ulterior motive or, uh, you know, some sort of prodding from the White Sox front office. When was the OG Kenny GM spat in the clubhouse? 2003. I do, uh, with, uh, the, the, uh, the Ozzy Kenny fight. Uh, I can't remember if it was 2000, I mean, it was before they won the World Series that they got into the argument. I don't remember exactly when, though. Um, you know, and then, of course, he ends up winning winning that battle eventually. Uh, but now Ozzy's back in the uh, post-game, post-game TV show because JR still loves him. So, 03 would be manual. Yeah, you're right. You're right. Uh, speaking of manual. Jerry. Uh, I Jerry and Jerry tweeted about it earlier, but I did uh, notice that yesterday in the uh, celebrity All Star softball game at the All Star game, uh, Jerry Manuel's kid, the fashion designer, was on the LA team. His name is uh, what is his name? Jerry 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 Rodolfo or something like that. I can't re- can't remember what his uh, what his his designer name is. He's got the exact same name as uh, Jerry Manuel but uh, he only uses his first and middle name as his designer name. But uh, he was wearing some of his clothes from his company, Fear of God. And one of the things that he happened to be wearing was his uh, nice slides that he designed. And uh, oddly enough, while wearing these slides, running the bases in a pair of slides in a softball game, uh, oddly enough, did not slide and was tagged out at home plate. Um and almost got knocked over by Jenny Finch, which was pretty funny. Um, but, uh, yeah. So, yeah. I, that's I, that's about as far as I want to get on, on you know, the, uh, the Bob Nightingale thing. You know, it's kind of a thing in the past. But uh, hopefully it changes things for the better and these guys get moving in the right direction and, you know, the things that have been spouted by reporters that, you know, the the White Sox in 83 went into the All-Star break right around 500, and then they won 50 games in the second half, and 
ended up going to the playoffs. Let's hope that's exactly what happens here and that all was needed was just a little bit of a spark and a little bit of nobody believes in us mantra and, uh, you know, winning's not fun. And now they're going to just rip off, you know, 45, 50 wins and then end up, you know, in that 90. I think you mean losing's not fun. Yeah, whatever it is. Winning is Whatever fun. I said. Yeah. I'd, I yeah. guess the opposite of whatever I said. Um, <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. Sorry, man. I, I Yeah. I say, winning's pretty fun, dude. Pretty stinking fun, man. You shut your filthy mouth. It's certainly a lot more fun for us because uh, this funeral procession that we've had for the first three months of the season has been brutal. No kidding. Um, no kidding. Yeah, so I like talking about things that... Uh, Oh, what did uh, what did the Schwarbino do tonight? Hey, Pusher, how you doing? Good evening, oh, sir. Oh, uh, Schwarber. Yeah, good evening, Pusher. Schwarber is uh, Fung, and Fung is winning. That is true. I did hear that. There you go. Uh, Schwarber in the first round, the uh, the number one seed, Mr. Kyle Schwarber, uh, faced off against Albert Pujols, ah. who uh, Albert Pujols had the, the luxury of going first, obviously being the lower seed. Uh, he put up 10 in the first round. And uh, Schwarber came out and did exactly that, tied him with, like, seconds left in the round. So they went to a swing-off where, you know, uh, Pujols came out with an extra minute and hit seven more or eight more. I don't even remember. It was seven or eight more. I think it was eight more, actually, in in the next minute. And uh, the Schwarbino, uh, you know, couldn't seem to get anything going. And, uh, it, you know, he finally got it going towards the end of the round, but it was too little too late and fell short by one. So he was knocked out in the first round. Oh, that's too bad. I don't Whatever. Uh, St. Louis beat the Cubs again. That's true. Sort of. I mean, you know, Pujols is on the Cardinals, but uh, the Schwarbino having an okay time over there in Philly. Um yeah, number one seed. Oops. Um, Whoopsie. Yeah. Well. His uh, I gotta say, he you know his uh, his pitcher wasn't uh, exactly you know leaving him in there. I think he was getting everything up a little bit, and Schwarber was uh, hitting a lot of really hard line drives because of that. Couldn't get his launch angle right. Uh, and, you know, the, the microphone on the, on the camera was even picking up, you know, Schwarber saying, no, no, don't worry about it. You're good. Don't worry about it. You're good. And I, I kind of have to agree with, you know, some of the people that were saying the pitching wasn't great for him. But regardless, it was fun to watch Albert Pujols knowing that he's going to retire at the end of this year uh, and come out and, you know, just do that final kind of goodbye as, uh, you know, ending his Hall of Fame career here at the end of the season to see him out there and do his thing was was kind of cool whether he you know deserved to actually be there or not this season i think uh his career has afforded him this last opportunity and all the guys that were there you know whether they were in the derby or not all the guys that were out there on the field coming up and showing uh, all the respect they did to him after he went out and uh you know, had his little performance out there was really fun to watch as well too yeah you know nothing but respect for the guy so <laughs> so overrated number one seed goes down. Yeah, overrated with 30 home runs before the All-Star break. All right, sure. Uh, True Sayer, hello, sir. Sorry to hear about the uh, the quarantine. Um, hope you get over that uh, quickly and that the uh, 
strain that you got is not too bad because that is no fun. Had it earlier uh, in January this year, and I did not have a great time with it. So sorry to hear that. I did that. not either. Yeah. The Pujols Eight days of tour. hell. Icky feels ick, icky like the Ortiz farewell tour. Yeah. I don't know about all that. You can, I, you know what? You know. I don't feel that way. You know, you can talk about PEDs all you want, but the guy really has been a class act. He hasn't been a jerk like some of the other guys out there. Uh, you know, I don't know. You don't want to get into the whole PED conversation, honestly. Yeah. But uh, I mean, he's a, he's a good dude. You know, I've seen him in interviews. The guy is always working within the community. You know, a lot like, you know, T.A. And, and some of the other guys in the White Sox that go out and do things for the community. So I really have no issue with the Pujols farewell tour. And, uh, you know, he commands a lot of respect when he steps out on the field. You know, uh, if he was in a White Sox uniform for the long career that he has, I don't think people here would be having a whole lot to say about that either. You know, dude's put up some monster numbers and, you know, let him have his uh, let him have his moment. NFL fan, 1990, welcome. Thank you for the follow. Appreciate it. Everyone was hey, on PEDs right. from that time frame and back. I can't hold it against them. You know, I I can hold. I can certainly hold it against them uh, when looking at their numbers and trying to, uh, you know, enshrine them into the Hall of Fame. Like, I kind of I, I get that mindset. Now, I'm personally not one of those guys that's uh, super hard on the PED users. Um, I just, you know, as far as poo holes goes, I'm not uh, not 100% convinced. Um, David Ortiz, on the other hand, that guy, uh, I kind of think he's a juicer. But uh, you know, hey, he says he's, he's kind not. of a jerk too. He's kind of kind of arrogant about he, it. He, I mean, you know, there's been times where he's been cool and respectful. You know, and Boston loved him. You know, especially after the whole, uh, you know, marathon thing when he came out and gave his little speech. But he's had some moments in his career where he said some things that mm, were less than respectable. And I'll just leave it at that. I don't remember ever hearing Pujols come out and say anything like that. He's usually been genuinely a nice guy. Yeah. And I mean, the guy got shot in the Dominican Republic for, uh, once again, uh, you could use the word cheating because, uh, he was, um, out doing things that he apparently shouldn't have been doing with some, some, Nar- narco unsavory girlfriend or something um yeah yeah is a level playing field it, it, it yeah no if everybody is cheating it is a level playing field i but you know there were guys that were not doing it that uh you know were yeah but there are it. some fo- there's some former players out there that were basically saying at least 80 to 85 percent of the guys in the league during the you know in starting with like the mid to late nineties and going all the way up until, you know, the two thousands, uh, it it sounded like pretty much everybody, you know, like I said, 80, 85, 90% of the guys out there were doing it. Uh, so the guys that weren't, you know, kudos to them by all means, you know, awesome for you way to go. Uh, but it's hard as a baseball fan to deny. Did you enjoy watching any of that without knowing it? You know, without uh, knowing it was going on, I think we all did. Yeah, we even with knowing it, I still those, enjoyed watching it. You know, we can go back to the, you know, the Sammy Sosa, Mark McGuire, Barry Bonds, you know, home run record chase. And, uh, 
you know, they say it's saved baseball. And if that's what it took, you know, hell, we, we might not even be here talking about this because, man, it, baseball was in a sad state. And obviously this last year, you know, we go back to this offseason, but baseball was in a sad state again. So, you know, I, I don't really want to spend a whole lot of time on this because, you know, we we did. We all enjoyed watching the game. You, you didn't stop watching baseball because all these guys were on PEDs. Right. We're all still sitting here watching the game. We're all still passionate about, uh, you know, watching our team win or lose. So, you know, it, it all I can say is it is what it is. It happened. I would probably say that it is still happening uh, in some cases, maybe not as prevalent as it once was, but, you know, I think it's hard to say that it's completely gone. I, you know, it's, it's just, it's, it's definitely tough to believe that it's completely gone. Yeah. But, you know, might be something that yeah, nobody's found yet. I mean, that's entirely possible, but like you said, let's, uh, <laughs> let's ditch this conversation. Yeah.